Welcome back to What You'll Learn. My name is Adam Ashton. And my name is Adam Jones. Today, we are reviewing The One Minute Manager by Ken Blanchard and Spencer Johnson. Increase productivity, profits, and your own prosperity. Obviously, as a manager, this is all about managing people. If you are a manager, this is an absolute must listen. Uh, If you have a manager or you aspire to be a manager, definitely must listen or if none of those apply to you, it can be about managing yourself, managing your relationships in some sense. So, the book is in the form of the allegory of a one-minute manager and through story, it's a compilation of some of the biggest lessons in, in management theory. The book begins with the story of one gentleman who was on the search to find the most competent manager that he could possibly find. So, he began to see the full spectrum of how people manage people on this search but really, he wasn't always pleased with what he saw. Yeah, he wanted to work for an effective manager and then he wanted to become an effective manager himself. And along this, uh, this story, this journey that they take us through, he saw these tough managers who would describe themselves as tough. It seemed like the organizations that they worked for and that they ran were the winners, but their people lost. These managers probably described themselves as hard-nosed, bottom-lined, realistic, autocratic managers. They like to keep on top of situations and they're always driving towards strong results. Mm, So, they were tough managers but then he also met a whole bunch of nice managers and the people who worked under these nice managers, the people and the employees, they seemed to always win but the organization always lost. So, the people who reported to these managers thought they were pretty good managers, they were very nice but to the people that the managers reported to, they hold their doubts because of the lack of results. And these managers describe themselves as a democratic manager, participative, supportive, considerate, and humanistic. So, the young kid thought that all of these different managers, they're really only half managers. They're either going for results or they're going for for people. So, he needed to find a manager that was a a whole manager that encapsulated both driving a, a positive work environment and supporting the people, but at the same time delivering strong results. So, of course, he stumbled across the one minute manager who was both autocratic and democratic, who strived to both support people and drive strong results. And uh, the one-minute manager had three secrets for him as to how to best manage people. And that's probably where we'll leave the story behind and we'll focus on the three secrets. So, these three secrets are really the keys to the most effective management according to this book. And the first secret is all about having one-minute goals. I think in most organizations you go to, probably bigger organizations especially, if you ask an employee what they do and if you ask their boss what they do, you can get two very, very different uh, answers. Uh, With some of these big organizations with complicated hierarchies, you'll often find that there's not a whole lot of clarity about what everyone's meant to be doing. I've definitely found myself in a couple of those situations in the past. I think from my experience, when I've ever entered a job, it's very rare that a manager is actually going to let you know what the target is that you should be working on and what you're specifically what your what results you're accountable for and this is what the one minute manager does and this is the key to effective management it's it's really always making it clear what your responsibilities are and who and what you're being accountable for so the takeaway in the book and the way this is done is really having these one minute goals and being able to write it down on one piece of paper in 250 words max that it can be read and explained in one minute and so, what the point of this is, is that it's clear, it's, you know, it's down on this piece of paper, uh, you keep a copy, your manager keeps a copy, and that's what you're held accountable for. That's who exactly what you're supposed to be doing and who you're accountable to 
and then you can't get in trouble for not doing something you were supposed to do or doing something that you thought you weren't meant to do or anything like this. It's very clear as to the expectations of you and what success will look like. And of course, you might think that's crazy to have a piece of paper, a page, one page goal for everything you're supposed to do. Yes, that would be crazy. The one minute manager, it's an 80-20 thing. You know, 20% of the goals will make up 80% of your results. So it's really only having sort of the top three to five key things that you're supposed to be doing. You're not going to have a, a full book worth of stuff. It's three to five goals, like a paragraph or less. So you can just read in one minute and you can both be on the same page about exactly what you're supposed to be doing. And obviously, it's leaving a lot of autonomy down to the person who is writing their own goals. And from a manager's point of view, this is why it's only taking one minute and it's really efficient in terms of time. The manager's happy, but so is the employee. So why does this work? We've all seen unmotivated people at work. Say, you know, you're Monday to Friday, you're walking past the desk and they're sitting down, they're slouching their desk and you can tell they're low energy and not motivated at all. But on the other hand, you've never seen someone unmotivated outside of work. If you go to the bowling ring on a Friday night, there's no one sitting down there in that same kind of energy. They're always up and about and they're extremely happy and all of a sudden, they've got all the energy in the world. Yeah, this it's probably good to keep in mind. This book was written 30, 40 years ago when bowling alleys were massive. There's a few more exciting <laughs> things out there now in there. <laughs> probably not bowling per se, but it is a good analogy uh, because he says that you know bowling... It's clear what your goals are. There's a whole bunch of pins. You have a crack, you knock them down, and you're happy when they get knocked down. But what he says that I guess the modern sort of work environment is sort of like if they put a big sheet in front of the pins and you're just bowling in any direction, trying to hope, and then after it goes past the sheet, you might hear a few pins get knocked over or maybe a manager's sitting at the other end and he gets to look behind the sheet and it will just hold up two fingers to say knock down two, or maybe he'll say, you know, you've you missed eight pins actually. But the whole point of that is that you've got no clear direction. You've got no clear goal. You don't know what you're looking at. You don't know what you're working towards. Uh, so it's, it's really important that you need to have a goal and it needs to be clear to both you and your manager as to exactly what that goal is. Yeah, you got to think if you went bowling and you had that big sheet in front of you, how long would you keep on bowling for if you didn't know what the targets were you were looking to hit at? And that's what most people do every day they go to work. They're just sitting down there. They don't know what the targets is. They don't know what they're bowling at. So there's no way they can hit that strike and get motivated for what exactly that they're trying to do. And it's quite a similar analogy if you go to the footy on a Sunday afternoon. Again, you know, there's a whole bunch of people going around to kick goals and it's the goal is what gets everyone excited not many people would be going to the game if they're just kicking the ball around and tackling and kicking it out of bounds and that's it. It's the goals what makes everyone motivated in the first place. And this is what we need to be bringing into our workplace and to our employees. So it's important that there's firstly agreeance on what the goals are between you and your manager. You need to know exactly what good behavior looks like because then you can compare what good behavior is to your current behavior. So you've always got that goal there to fall back on and compare yourself. You know, Look at your performance now. Does that match the behavior required to attain those goals or not? And then you can sort of self-manage from there. And I think that's a big important part of this is that at the very start of you know working with a one-minute manager is that these goals are made very collaboratively. Uh, the Firstly, the manager doesn't tell you what your goal should be. You work together to form the goal. 
And then as you become more and more competent, as you sort of learn this system better, you start to just write your own goals and you can self-manage a bit more. And then it's merely a matter of agreeing on those with your manager as opposed to uh, writing these together. Definitely. And uh, paradoxically, as you'll hear listening to the book, the manager slowly and slowly phases herself out. And and interestingly enough, that's actually turns out to be good management is the manager actually stepping away and letting the employee do all the work. The first secret in the book is one-minute goals and the second secret in this book is one-minute praisings. So, what everyone noticed about the one-minute manager, they hardly ever saw her uh, except at the very start. And at the very start, what she's doing, she's over your shoulder watching you like a hawk and, you know, at the very start, it might seem intimidating that you're getting micromanaged and you're about to get snapped up. But it's really, it's for the opposite reason. She's not looking at you to catch you something doing wrong. She's actually looking at you to catch you doing something right. It's a very important distinction. A lot of times you just get whacked for doing something wrong, but it's vitally important that a manager is looking for things that you're doing right and they're praising you, giving you some kind of recognition that you're on the right track. So obviously, once your goals have been established... If you're doing something right, the manager wants to catch you doing something right and praise you for that to obviously sort of continue you down that correct path that you're working towards. And the distinction here is whenever she catches you doing something right, she lets you know straight away and quite specifically, not waiting till the end of the year at the annual performance review when most people get all their, you know, their praises and uh, all the negatives and positives of what they've done that, that year. I think what most people experience, which is very opposite to the one-minute manager here, is what Ken calls the leave-it-alone zap style. So, this is when someone is hired and they're new and on board and they're taken around to go and meet every meet everybody and they're not goals not set with them and then they kind of just like let them by themselves and leave them alone doing their work. And what they'll do is as soon as they see them doing something wrong, then they'll just give them a quick zap and let them know that they've done something wrong, a little bit of pain, hoping that that will get them on track. Yeah, it's it's a very poor way to manage, isn't it? Just say, go off and do this, and they just leave them, and then the only time you hear from them is if you stuff something up, they come and give you a zap. Obviously, this is a much better way to do it because it becomes a lot clearer, and then you understand the things you're doing right, so you can keep doing more of those things. An important part about, I guess, the, the structure of delivering a one-minute praising is that you've got to be... Up front, as you said, it has to be pretty immediate. You're not waiting till the half annual uh, review. And importantly, it has to be something very specific about what they've done. You can't just say, oh, you've been doing great work. It has to be something specific that they've done. And then saying like uh, relating that to either how it makes the manager feel or how it's helping the organization. And then the important part is you sort of pause and just let that sit for a couple of seconds. So you've told them specifically what they've done uh, close to immediately after they've done it and the implications of that behavior and then you let them sit on that and let them feel it for a bit. Mm. Yeah, they're a big fan of the pause, being, being a bit of information and a bit of an awkward pause to let everything sink in, which is quite kind of interesting. Matt, I tried to... Uh, I've unofficially had a few uh, people that I've been managing recently. Yep. And Have you uh, done a few pauses? I tried, I tried to give a... Pra- it's actually very uncomfortable to give a one-minute praising in this style to like not just say, oh, good job, but to actually give a specific thing uh, and relating that to something a bit deeper and then uh, giving a pause. It's so, you actually, you actually did it? After I read this, uh, they'll probably... If they're listening, they'll know now that I was reading this book and I was trying it on, out on them. They're probably telling their mates at the pub, my manager is so weird. He just <laughs> gives me information then just pauses looking at me <laughs> oddly in the eye. 
It's very, I don't know if it's just like a, a blokey thing or a young thing. It was just like, it's pretty uncomfortable to have like some kind of emotional sort yeah. of, this made me feel good by you helping me out. Well, that's yeah. probably why it works and why it's so valuable is because it's so, it's so scarce yeah. and so so rare. So, it's why the book's so good. And there's pretty decent research to back this up and why these one-minute praisings actually work. And there's always seems to be studies about pigeons in our our books <laughs> and uh, lately. But, you know, the pigeons obviously have some kind of neurochemistry somewhat similar to us, so we'll, we'll trust it. I think it's probably easy to just test out a pigeon. And if things go wrong, then it's probably not a big loss. Maybe we'll trap a pigeon and we'll <laughs> test all these book themes on it and see what happens. In this one specifically, like the, they said that they put a... Was this a real one or was this just a made-up? No, this is know. a real pigeon. Okay, so they put a, a pigeon in this sort of cage and what's meant to happen is that the pigeon is meant to go over and push a lever and then they get fed. And in, in the case of this, obviously the pigeon, as soon as they get put in the box, they've got no bloody idea what they're supposed to be doing. And so they're saying that they're praising the pigeon in the first example by any sort of progress they make towards doing the right actions. Mm, so, you know, the pigeon going from just sitting in the corner to pushing this lever in the back corner in the right foot that's a big gap between those two things so it's these really tiny mini goals along the way so they might put a red line across halfway through in the pen and every time the pigeon crosses they'll feed it and then they'll do it a bit closer and closer and closer to the very corner and then finally when there's this little lever and it actually hits that then it gets fed again so over time with these praising so to speak of feeding the pigeon it can do some pretty complex goals yeah it's a any they also relate it to like a, a child that you've got who's just learning to walk they stand up if you, if they just like if you expect them to get up and walk across the room on the first go and then you abuse them if they didn't do it the kid's probably never going to try and walk again but you know at first it just stands up and it probably wobbles around a little bit and then it falls down and you're praising him you're all over him saying it's amazing you call the grandparents to come over and look at the kid come and stand up and wobble and fall over and eventually they'll probably uh, take that praise on board and try to take that first step and you're obviously praising it the whole way they're not fully walking yet but each little incremental improvement they make you're giving them some positive reinforcement so, this is where it links also to the, the first secret about one-minute goals. So, we need to be specific about what the goal is and what success looks like. And then, as the person is trudging and fumbling along the way, like anyone does when they're inexperienced, you need to find that small line in the pen where they're trying to do something right and it's approximate. And as soon as you catch them doing something like that, then you get down and, and weird and awkward and you give them the one-minute praising. Man, another weird... Uh, I read the new one minute manager which is like a 30 years later they updated it and i'm seeing in your notes you're saying that there's a lot about touching people like shake mm. hands or after the praise and then you touch <laughs> them <laughs> they've removed that from the new book i think they've changed with the times here you got to be careful with the touching yeah along with the awkward the awkward silence was the awkward touch in the old one that just wouldn't work today if you had a, let the one go, yeah. if you had a, your employee of the opposite sex or something and then you gave them a touch with awkward silence I think that'll be, you know, filing a lawsuit. <laughs> You've got to be very careful about that. About that, and it's obviously important to to give praise and let them feel, uh, and let them feel valued. But um, maybe don't follow the letter of the law from the the nineteen seventies one minute manager as well. Yeah. Another way that they sort of moved with the times of the updated new one minute one minute manager thirty years after the first one, they used to call it a one minute reprimand, which was about you know the bit of a top down management style where if someone did something wrong you tell them off and reprimand them but now it's more a one minute redirect so that's what we're doing now if some 
After the praising, the third secret is the one-minute redirect, and that's if someone doesn't do something exactly right, we just give them a little redirect. So, if you're doing something wrong, she doesn't leave you to get off the hook like at the very start. You know, at the very start, there were managers who put people before results. That's not what the one-minute manager does. What she'll do is she'll give you this one-minute redirect. So, in a similar vein to the praising, when you do something wrong, what she'll do is she'll look at you straight in the eye and tell you exactly what you did wrong. She'll let you know how she feels, angry, annoyed, frustrated, or whatever she might be feeling. And then again, a little bit of a pause, an awkward pause, just to let them feel the pain of, of, of the moment. But then after they've let a bit of that pain settle in, what she'll do, she'll let you know that she's on your side. She won't attack them as a person, just the behavior, and then remind the employee how valuable they are to the organization. So, you know, a bit of a, bit of, bit of a shit sandwich. So, a nice little, nice, something nice is to cap off the, the reprimand. Man, I haven't progressed to the reprimand yet. I don't think I've got that in me just yet, but I'll, I'll gradually build up to it. But it's very similar in that you have to be very clear, very specific, very immediate. And then again, relating that back to some kind of feeling or some greater outcome as opposed to just uh, reprimanding that one instantaneous thing. And of course, that pause, the awkward pause to just let it sit in that uncomfortableness. And then of course, you're saying that you're on their side and what you need to do here is redirect them. So say, look, this is what you did this time. Uh, I know you're better than that. You know, you're much more valuable to the team. I trust that you can do this. I've got confidence in you. This is what you should be doing instead. And then again, sort of relating that back to a goal and showing them something clear and tangible that they can do instead rather than just saying, you fucked up there, don't do that and leaving it at that. You've got to have some kind of clear path forward. And importantly, once the redirect is over, both parties have to realize that the redirect is over. So as the manager, you're not holding against the employee. As the employee, you're not thinking the manager hates me. It's just a once-off. It's a one-minute redirect and then you both move on and work towards those goals. That's a similar thread between all three. They're quick, they're efficient, and they're somewhat uncomfortable. But after the minute's done, it's the most effective action that's already been taken away and then the employee's in the best position to um, you know, have success in, in, at the next crack. So as we wrap up the book now, obviously it's a very short book, but I think the message is is really phenomenal, and this style of management management is almost entirely lacking to what I've experienced, what you've experienced, and most people out there. So if you're someone and you're not enjoying your managers what they're they're doing in their style, maybe just go out and just get get this <laughs> buy this book and just leave it on their desk uh, on the you know Monday morning. It's a ballsy move. Uh, wouldn't be the worst move, but yeah, if you think about it, like. Most people in most big organizations, especially at the start of their career, you know, you're you're stepping up, you don't really know what you're supposed to be doing, you don't really know if you've done something right, you're probably going to know very quickly if you did something wrong, but you're not going to know how to fix that and it's it's real mess and it's probably going to be held until once or twice a year, you have some kind of performance review where they tell you everything you did wrong, uh, but there's really no real management involved in that. So this is obviously a better approach, it's more regular uh, it's short and simple. It doesn't have to be some kind of massive one-hour review. It's just a one-minute thing where you can both be on the same page and both move on. And uh, I think it's a, it's a pretty good way to operate. So we've got one-minute goals, writing down your goals in 250 words less that you can be explained in one minute. And you're meeting with your manager once a week to go through what your one-minute goals are. And at the very start, the manager's going to find what you're doing approximately right with one-minute praisings. And then Conversely, also what you're doing wrong with the one-minute redirect. And that's the one-minute manager. That's how she operates. 
She's a weapon and a style of management that we can all learn from. <laughs> <laughs>